family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Welcome, everybody, to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, once again, Rick Strong, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Atlanta studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. Each week we plan to feature businesses and different people within our state, and especially in the Atlanta area, especially with uh, Gwinnett County. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and the state's no different. Uh, we will touch on that and all related aspects of security as through the course of each show. Our guest today, I am very happy to have Mr. Tim Eccles. He is our Georgia Public Service Commissioner and doing a fantastic job, I might add. Yeah, thank you. And Wendy and I did raise a lot of our children here in Gwinnett County. We lived in Norcross. We lived in Duluth. Uh, so we spent a lot of time here. We're out in Jackson County now, but we have seven kids, and so we certainly uh, enjoyed our time uh uh, on Iroquois tra Trail over there uh, in Duluth, and then in Old Town Norcross and Norcross Hills. It's a great, great place to raise a family in Gwinnett County. Absolutely. I've raised mine here, too. Um, yeah, it brings me to our first question I usually ask is, who is Tim Eccles? How did you get here? What brought you into running for Public Service Commission and public office? I think that was your first thing that you'd ever run for, and you're still there. Yeah, I was raised on the south side of town, down in uh, College Park. Lived in Riverdale, actually. Our family owned a car auction on metropolitan parkway back then it was called stewart avenue it was a well yeah they changed it to get rid of all the certain elements and stuff yeah no yeah, the crime is all still yeah. there in yeah. fact it's, it's blighted now and i'm working on a project with cox enterprises to try to change that at their uh, at their electric mobility hub which was our old family auction that we had there cox bought it from our family turned it into an auction and now it's going to basically be the electric mobility facility for them uh, on the eastern seaboard including their new investment in rivian the electric truck company cox mm -hmm. enterprises invested 350 million dollars oh. in this electric vehicle company but so i was raised on the south side of town went off to the university of georgia i'm a good go baptist uh, go dogs i was uh, at the baptist student union there almost every day of my four years there uh, became president of the baptist center met my wife wendy there and we got married and uh, had seven kids and, and came back to Atlanta. She had been uh, raised in Roswell, went to Milton High School, and she did not want to live on the south side of town uh, and uh, and so insisted on living up here on the on the north side. So we settled in Gwinnett County and, and, and loved our time there. Well, I'm sorry she went to Milton. I went to Roswell. But moving right <laughs> along, I digress. <laughs> yeah, I went to Roswell High School back I think that when I graduated in 70, it was the largest class they'd ever had graduated. We had a whopping big 108. 
Yeah. Wow. It was a biggie. Yeah. Back then, Milton was just uh, a little country country bumpkin uh, stopping the road out there. Absolutely. And, and of course, it's, it's, it's changed now, and that whole area has become the horse capital of Georgia. There's all those beautiful farms out there heading toward Birmingham. It's gorgeous. I can remember when I first went into law enforcement and I was assigned up to the North Fulton County area. They had a lot of land up there that was for sale around the county line you could get for $2,000 an acre. And I was saying, boy, I wish I could do that, but it's so expensive. <laughs> I wish I'd have done it. <laughs> wow. Probably $200,000 oh, now absolutely. for those lots. Well, let me ask you this. You've been in, what was it, 2006, 2007 that you were? I, I got elected in 2010. So 10. I, so I started serving in 11. I've been on the commission nine years Really didn't know much about energy when I ran. It was, you know, it, you know, Georgia is one of only uh, nine states that elect their energy regulators. Mm-hmm. Most states, Florida, North Carolina, all up in the in, in New England, most states in the U.S. appoint them. The governor appoints the commissioner. So, what happens, Rick, is you get smart people when that happens. The governor picks the engineer. He picks the the MIT grad. He picks the economist. But when you have to run for the office, well, the MIT grad is not that good at politics, and they're not going to mount a campaign. They can't run a campaign. I'm sorry, MIT guys. Uh, we, we just don't have very many of those. I don't even think we have any of those in the legislature. But they're certainly smart. Uh, but when you have to run, you, you have to have this political element. So my three degrees from Georgia, that English undergrad, that PR masters and that nonprofit masters has helped me in getting elected for sure gives you that mindset that gives you an understanding more of what you have to do so politics is is about math and and my first political campaign i ran for my friend was in norcross for norcross city council i took a hairdresser who had a salon in buckhead who had no college degree immigrated from england british accent polish last name spanish first name ran him against a six-term city council member and won awesome. based on math and understanding how politics work. And I've taken the lessons out of that Norcross City campaign, 1993, and I certainly employed those techniques in my own campaign in 2010 and 2016. Well, why do you keep running for PSC? Why do, you, why do you like doing this? You know, being an elected official is like being an entrepreneur. You, you don't really have a boss. You have 10 million bosses, Exactly. Right? So... These folks can throw me out of office, but it is very freeing not having a governor or anyone call me and tell me what, what to, to do. do. And our governors, you know, ha- have been hands off. They have not. They have not lobbied. Uh, I, I've been. I had one call from the governor's chief of staff in nine years. One telephone call. That that is it. Uh, so that's amazing. Uh, that's, that's a pretty hands off position, and believe me. Uh, and talking to my colleagues in Florida and other states like this, that is not the case when you're appointed by the governor. You definitely need to carry the water for that official. Yeah, well, it's, it's politics. It is. And, and everything and reflects it, back on politics. You know, it makes sense. I mean, if the governor appoints you to an agency head, she or he is expecting you to, you know, to, to basically— their line of yeah, thought. Yeah, exactly. Mirror their positions. And, and it's not an unreasonable request mm-hmm. of a governor to make, you know, for an appointed position. But when you're running for the position, obviously, you're your own man or your own woman. 
Well, what was the learning curve when you were when you were doing this and you came in? Like you said, you weren't you didn't know all that much about energy. What was the learning curve for you, and how did you how did you work? Oh that? my goodness, it was steep. It was steep. I made so many blunders. My first couple couple of years, right out of the shoot, I you know I made some mistakes. I I offended my colleagues. They got mad at me. They were trying to change Georgia law and have the commission elect elect its own chairman right prior to that we rotated it right Mm -hmm. and so they were trying to change it they didn't tell me i was a new guy i guess they didn't feel they needed to tell me and i i found out you wouldn't understand anyway yeah probably so i found out about it out of the newspaper and i was due to be chairman the next year and it was going to change the rule and i got mad i got my back up i fought it i stopped it actually i i had a little bit i'd just gotten off election so i had some support out there obviously I cashed all that in, stopped it, man. The Feeling your oats. The commissioners got even madder. <laughs> and they came back the next year loaded for bear. They took me to the woodshed. They whacked me over the head. and Don't do that again. And, and, and they were able to get the law changed the next year while I was chairman. It took effect on the last day of the year. I was able to get that held uh, to the last day of the year. But you know what? That was a mistake. I should not have fought my, my commissioners on that regardless of whether they told me it was the best idea they had the best idea it was a good change we elect our chairman now as we should and uh, so that was just a silly thing that i got in a fight with uh, and just a rookie error it, it's a rookie error and that happens with a lot of officials whether you're running for the school board in Gwinnett County or a city council position in Norcross, you're going to get in there and you're going to make a few mistakes. So look, don't don't let that keep you from serving. We've got business leaders in this county uh, and, and in the metro area who have done a fantastic job of turning a company around or running an HR department. And a lot of these positions out there, especially in these cities, they're part-time positions. You can keep your job and just go to that council meeting at night there's nothing to keep you from doing that. And we need your service. We need your good ideas. You can help get into a city and maybe even keep that city on the right track or bring about some innovation, some technology, some fintech that they need in their city operations in order to be more effective. I encourage our listeners to consider running for public office. Well, you know, and a lot of people don't want to do it just because of the hassle and everybody trying to dig up trash and trash the person that's running. And, and, and that's a shame. You know, they need to look at the what are the qualities, what are the qualifications. You know, I found that if you, you know, if you're upfront about issues, you know, during your campaign, go ahead and kind of inoculate yourself by by talking about some of these things. You know, it takes away the surprise attack. And really, in a in a race like you know Norcross City Council, Duluth City Council, you're not going to have folks gunning for you that they i mean the political pundits out there they don't care about the norcross city council position they're, that's they're, true you know they're you know now if i wind up you know you know getting you know getting a senate position or, or running for congress or something like that those, those are the ones where they can take you out oh yeah i mean when you know when someone drops a couple of million dollars of you know of negative press on you it's hard to overcome that well you know a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people really understand what the PSC is, what the Public Service Commission is. How would you, how would you describe what people think about it? Yeah, so, so the, you're right. They don't know. Uh, think about the right-of-way out there, right? you got some power lines there. you got some pipelines there. 
you got some telephone, cable lines. Well, we, re- we regulate all those things. Why do we regulate? Because they have a monopoly. And when you give someone a monopoly, and they're the only folks in town that can sell you power or sell you gas or sell you telephone service, there needs to be some public protection for that. And so our state forefathers, in their wisdom, created a railroad commission when railroads had a monopoly on those tracks. Mm -hmm. And what did those railroad companies do when they had a monopoly to misbehave? They let fruit sit out too long, let it let spoil with no ramifications. They let animals that I was trying to ship that I was selling, you know, uh, as a rancher, sit there or run around and get lost. They uh, let fare boxes get out of control. They let my, you know, my wife who was at the, you know, the train station in in, in 1880 uh, who was getting dirt on her dress because these pigs were running around, they, they, they let her get offended. And then what happened is enough people got ticked off that when they were at church on Sunday, they told their state representative, you guys got to get a hold of that railroad. That these railroad companies are running, you know, running roughshod over us uh, as farmers, as, as citizens, going to see my grandmother in Birmingham or wh- whatever as they're getting on trains. And that legislature created the Railroad Commission to bring some accountability to those railroads. And then as we created things like the telegraph, electricity, gas, as these things came to be the, you know, the latest and greatest technology of the mm-hmm. day, the legislature just said, well, let's let the Public Service Commission do that. They changed the name in 1933 to Public Service Commission, and the Public Service Commission had railroad stuff, it had utility stuff, and then eventually railroads were federally regulated in 1961 as Amtrak was created, and we no longer had that piece of it, and, and only the utilities remained. So the stuff that serviced the public. That's right. That's right. Anything with a monopoly that services the public. Uh, I mean, you can think, you know, you can think that, I mean, even like limousines. We used to regulate limousines. We used to regulate trucking. We used to regulate uh, household movers. Uh Again, folks that had a, had a propensity to take advantage of their monopoly status, to, go, to gouge people, we had all of that. And the, the, the stuff with the limos and the household movers got so out of control that we eventually were able to give it to the state patrol because we really needed people that had guns, handcuffs, and lights. And so... You know, you better make sure if you're renting a limo for your kids for prom or you're you're hiring somebody to move you, you better make sure they're licensed or they can slap take advantage of you and hurt you uh, and you will have little recourse because the, the 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 street name for these limo companies are gypsy limos. Correct. They don't have they don't have state certification. Some guy with a car. Uh, but let me tell you, if they flip that car and your child's in it and they don't have they don't proper have insurance proper insurance. They're they're not. You, you think State Farm's going to pay, uh, pay a claim on a, a gypsy limo company that's not certified that you've hired to take your kids to the prom? Probably not. Uh, so you're going to be trying to sue this company, and you know, you know they may eventually bankrupt themselves to keep from paying your claim or whatever. So it is buyer beware out there, and you're using these kind of quasi public services of movers and limousines and charter bus companies. Uh, it may be cheaper to go with the unregulated company, but you, you're putting yourself in harm's way. Well, and it's 
you know, there we are back to security again. It's a security risk for whoever does it in more ways than just getting robbed or something like that. It's just an overall security of lifestyle and, and your your wealth. I can tell you that there's a bunch of folks that hired these, these rogue mover movers to pick up their stuff. The rogue movers take it to a warehouse. They keep it they keep it basically kidnapped and they need your security company to come over there and help them get it out because exactly. they are extorting people uh by holding their stuff captive right and oh yeah we said it was a thousand dollars but it's really going to be three thousand know, we've looked up this and we we've had we've had expenses we weren't expecting yeah and they and, and your stuff is you know is is in a box in some warehouse over off Buford Highway, had locked up, and you can't get it. There's no recourse. Well, you call the you call the state patrol. Well, sorry, they're not regulated, and, and there is no recourse mm-hmm. really for you on that. Uh, and you you pay the fee uh, to get your stuff out. So better be careful. Yep, absolutely. Well, do you like running for office? I love I love politics. Uh, my first election was in tenth grade when I was 15 as the sophomore class president. I won that election. I won my uh, election as a junior uh, as uh, student council vice president and then my senior year student council president. I've actually never lost an election. So uh, to all the kids out there, if you have kids in school, let them run for student council. Absolutely. Let them run for class representative. This is a a microcosm of politics in our school. And you know what? Gwinnett County is more active in the Georgia Association of Student Councils than any other county in our state. And we have 159 counties. These Gwinnett County schools take student leadership seriously. And you should encourage, just like my dad. My dad encouraged me to run for sophomore class president. And it's that original the decision that eventually led to me being now a statewide official for nine years. And it all started when I was 15 years old. So, you know, I, mean, I speak a lot to these kids in Gwinnett County on a state level, and I go into a room, and every one of those kids are elected officials. I say, how many of you were elected? Every hand goes up. I said, do you realize that you're all elected officials just like me? You just have a smaller constituency. Your, your constituency may have been the 10th grade. It may have been your school, but you have a constituency. You're learning constituent services. Mm-hmm. And constituent services is, is complaints. It's listening to your friends at school complain. Why don't we ever have any dances? Why do the buses sit there and run and, and pour smoke on us in the bus line? Why aren't we getting to do this or to do that? Well, as their elected official, you got to solve that. you gotta, you got to go to the principal. you got to sit down and intervene for your constituents. You need to be going to these classes and listening to them. This isn't just some honorary position. Exactly. This is where you learn to be an elected official. And when you finish with this one day, you can run for city council in Norcross or Duluth or wherever you may be living or Gwinnett County Commission or Board of Education. We have thousands of opportunities for people to run for office it is community service it is a great in thing its to highest do. form it is and you're not paid very much to do it uh, you're you know you may only be paid a couple hundred dollars a month to be a city council person or you know eventually you run for a statewide office like me and it's your full-time job well you know in when you have a full-time job like that you deal with a lot of issues one of the biggest issues that a lot of people talk about now is Georgia's share of solar power. How's it growing? Is it? Why? How? What? 
you know, we've done solar different than California. I mean, we got a lot of folks in Gwinnett County and Metro that have moved in from the Northeast. I mean, we've had companies relocate to Georgia because, well, we're the number one state to do business in for uh, about five years, uh, I think six years running. I think we just recently got the award again. That's correct. From Site Selection Magazine. So we've got all these folks coming in. Welcome. Welcome if you're new uh, to, to Georgia. Uh, and there's there's a lot of technology, including solar, that's being deployed here. And we, we, we have been a little slow. I know folks think Southerners are slow. Maybe we talk slow. Not on the radio, we don't. We but think thoroughly. We think thoroughly. But we have waited until this solar has come down. Think about what you know, the, think about your computers, and those of you that are older, when you maybe had that that 286, that 386, that 8088, remember those old computers? They were very slow. Very slow. You had this little disk you put in, uh, but, you know, those computers cost more than the ones I can get today, you know, at Best Buy or anywhere else, and solar has come down like that. And we've had about a 10x decrease in price over the last 12 years. That's huge. We're going to see batteries do the same thing. And instead of subsidizing this 10 years ago when we were being pressured to do it, we waited. We, we created a market-based bid program. We've done utility-scale solar instead of rooftop for the most part. And what it's done is it's sent those projects to middle and south Georgia where the secret sauce exists. And what's the secret sauce for solar? Flat land, cheap land, and a proximity to those big lines and substations. And sunshine. And sunshine. <laughs> there's more of it down <laughs> south. Uh, so this South Georgia and Middle Georgia solar has actually come in so cheap. It's below our avoided cost for energy. It's below what we're doing coal for. And as a result of that, our commission said, hey, let's do more. Let's do more. Now, granted, it doesn't run at night. That's okay. We've got a nuclear power plant that runs at night, that runs 24-7, 18 months before we ever have to reload the fuel. You're talking about security now. Oh, yep. oh we got some secu- We got some machine gun nests out there. You, you betcha. You get out of the Savannah River in a, in a canoe trip, walk up there, uh, you may get shot. Uh, so, And on the other side is the Savannah River site where there were five working nuclear reactors and the biggest cache of plutonium in the United States sitting over there 10 stories under the ground. You get out there and they're going to send helicopter gunships to get you. Uh, Absolutely. So this is, this is something that we have kept safe. But solar is growing. We just approved even more. We just approved 13,500 acres of solar that's going to be deployed across middle and south Georgia. It's, it's a very exciting times for solar energy. Well, there was a study that came out and, and talking about uh, the price of electricity and, and, and services like that in Georgia are exponentially higher than our surrounding states because of, uh, you know. Did you say higher or lower? Higher. Because of of the monopoly that one company has on it, it tends to it tends to migrate up. So all of this helps, and it helps to bring it down, and it helps to control it. So it's getting a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, I would I would say that I'm not sure what study you were looking at, but we are below the national average on electricity. Exactly. Uh, so Georgia, uh, you know, when you when you look at countries like Germany, we're a third of the price. I mean, there's a reason that BASF that BMW and other German Siemens and other German companies are bringing, you know, heat-related business here because natural gas, 
there is subject to the Russians. They're getting their natural gas from the Russians for the most part. They're closing their nuclear reactors in Germany. They'll close them all by 2022. I mean, I was just in Berlin, just in Munich, meeting with energy ministers over there, meeting with utility executives. The Germans are proud of what they're doing over there because they have engineered themselves out of a pickle. Uh, they have, you know, this decision to close all these reactors is a pretty substantial decision and move to an intermittent supply of energy like wind and solar. It's hard to understand with all the advances that have come into nuclear energy and the, the cost savings, the energy production amount that's so much higher, how people are going back the other way. You know, it is hard to believe that as smart as the Germans are, as great engineers as they are, that they would, quote, go backwards. They don't see it like that. They remember Chernobyl, the Russian accident from the late 80s, and that still looms large in the front of their minds on on, on that that plume of radioactivity that drifted over, and it really has united all the political parties in Germany, and they don't have two. They have five or, or more. And they've, they've really gotten united around closing it. They're proud of particularly these wind turbines. These wind turbines are highly engineered. They're basically a German transmission sitting up on a 110-meter stick uh, that produces enough power to generate power for two super Walmarts on one turbine. I mean, these are these things, these gearboxes that the Germans have on these wind turbines, they... They're, they're incredible because they look like they're spinning so slowly right on the propeller side. But by the time they go through all those German gears on the other end, it's man, buzzing. It's, it's buzzing. Uh, and so I commend the Germans for their creativity, for the way they've done these aggregation companies and being able to take 7 million renewable sites and being able to synchronize them to keep their grid running so that they can make all those Porsches and BMWs and Volkswagens and Mercedes cars over there. I mean, they are smart people. They just, they're just, they just have a different situation. And that's what I tell people with, with energy. Look, it, the, the, the politics of the region matters. The history of the region matters. The natural resources of the region matters. If the Germans had the natural gas that we have in this country, they wouldn't be building the wind turbines that they're having to build. They would take advantage of that. They're not at war with fracked gas like California is and and some other states. The Germans just don't have it. We have that resource in America, and it is giving us a competitive advantage. I think it's fantastic. One of the things I've noticed about you over the years is that you're always out. You're always moving around. A lot of politicians, when they get elected to office, for the most part, they disappear. Uh, You don't really see them out there pounding the streets and talking to people and, and trying to get things done and keep things moving. But I noticed that you're traveling around the state now on this Clean Energy Roadshow. And you are extremely active in that and promoting it. I know there are social media and everything else. You're just out there. You're you're constantly moving. I think you just came back from Augusta. Yeah, Augusta, and I was in Albany uh, Albany. just yesterday. Uh, We done we did the roadshow at the Cyber Center in Augusta, the new state, hundred million dollars Cyber Cyber Center on the Savannah River, and we did the Albany event. You know, when when I was running the AJC. And I love my friends at Cox Enterprises. But the AJC did this story on the commission where they took their state ID. Uh, we have to swipe that ID, uh, you know, and it it registers, you know, in a database. And the media can get that, right? And so they took the swipes, 
And then they graded the commissioners based on the number of swipes into their office and gave them an A, B, C, or, or D based on the amount of days that they spent in spent in that office. And I wrote this article immediately, even before getting elected, saying this is a crazy way to evaluate the effectiveness of your elected officials. Do you really want me sitting in that Atlanta office on the second floor of the 244 building that nobody will probably ever come into? Or do you want me out speaking to Rotaries and Kiwanis and schools and doing a clean energy roadshow and visiting plants and manufacturing facilities? Yeah, that's what you want. That's what I think you want. And that I've insisted on doing that for nine years, and I have been out there. And then I tweet about it, and I put it on Absolutely Facebook, and I put it on Instagram, and I tell people, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm learning. This is what I think. And I find that particularly millennials really love this. They, they love knowing that I'm out, quote, doing my job. You're not sitting in the office twiddling your thumbs. That's right. And so I've made this a hallmark, and there hasn't been one of these articles in nine years. I think the media gets it. I think, they, I think they've seen, wait a second, Eccles has a point here. Well, and you're also willing to speak up and push back, and that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be a Debbie Downer on everything, and I certainly, uh, uh, or Don Downer, uh, I certainly don't want to be critical. I want to be a positive person. I'm, I'm a team player. But if there's an issue out there, I'm not afraid to speak about it and certainly raise, raise, that, raise that concern and try to do it in a constructive way. Well, I got, one, I got one last question. You created the Unholy Tour to fight human trafficking. How has that been received? You know, I, I've, I've had an athletic team in Atlanta express concern uh, when I went by their facility and, and mentioned uh, that sports events where there's a lot of men tend to attract uh, traffickers who are bringing girls in. And I certainly don't mean to disparage any of our sport teams or, it's our, just our, a fact. or our convention. But the truth is, where there are a lot of men, uh, this trafficking seems to occur. And I think state officials, including the governor's wife, Marty, and our attorney general, Chris Carr, they've embraced this now. I think they... They are on the warpath against traffickers, and they are training people through the GBI, our local police departments, our DA's office, everybody. I, I feel like all the levers of government are turning against traffickers, and we are having a lot of success in putting getting, them away. We're getting a lot of public input to it as well. A lot of the people are speaking up, and they see something, they say something. Yeah, in, and, in more ways than just terror. Yeah, and we're doing a lot of training, even with the utility folks, and you know who are getting to go in houses and and, and light, and light you know pilot lights on furnaces and install cable boxes. These people have Absolutely. a special access, and we need to make sure that they are trained in what to look for if they see you know a situation where wait a second this girl is in Something a cage. Doesn't look right. This girl's in a cage here. <laughs> this is not right. You know, yeah. we need to we need to report this. Yeah. Um, you also kind of closing out here. You have a radio station that a uh, radio program that you do as well as you know it transmits into a podcast. Yes, tell me a little bit about that. It's called Energy Matters, and uh, folks can just uh, they can just Google Energy Matters if they like. It has its own Twitter feed, Matters Radio, uh, or you can go to wgauradio.com, and all the episodes are there on demand in podcast form. And we'd love love to hear folks' feedback about it. It's an hour long show. And uh, it, we bring the Energy Brain Trust through this studio and basically talk about sustainability, technology, and energy. Well, if anybody wants to find out any more, uh, Tim, about this and about what you're working on and what's going on in the Public Service Commission, how do they get in touch with you, your office? Yeah, always go to timeckles.com. 
right? My website and uh, T-I-M-E-C-H-U-L-S dot com. And my email address is there or just email me at Tim at Tim dot com. Well, sounds fantastic. That's a lot of good information we managed to get in this. And I, I appreciate you coming on so much. Uh, I think people really need to listen to what you're saying. Keep up with these things. Uh, there's just so much out there that they need to know. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I do want to put a little plug in for my sponsor, Sosby Auto. And we, uh, he is always out there to help you. In Loganville, he's a good, honest person that takes care. We've got, a, what, 15 cars now, and he takes care of me, and I, I can trust him to, to do what he needs to do. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our radio show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Case in Point. Just join us next week at 1130, and we will talk with another business leader about their business and related security issues in today's world. Thanks again, Tim Eccles, for coming on. Thanks. And for our producers, Mike and Trey. I'm Rick Strawn, and remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you.